As the housing market gets crazier and crazier, the Wall Street Journal asks, why sell your home when you could just rent it out? And Wall Street Journal, we would totally agree with that. This is what we believe here at The Wealthy Idiots. Rent those assets out, get some cash flow, make some money. It's the way to go. Let's get into it. Hey everybody, my name's AJ. This is The Wealthy Idiot Show. Before we go any further, make sure to destroy the like button for the YouTube algorithm. Subscribe to the channel so you don't miss any of this good content. If you're new here, we're trying to teach good financial strategies and practices to build wealth correctly over time to have low risk so that you don't uh, get yourself hurt while doing it and not get caught by all of the crazy get rich quick schemes. Today I want to talk about leveraging conservatively. I've been talking a lot about the advantages of leveraging, taking things like real estate, getting some debt and uh, leveraging that property in order to make the most return as you possibly can. I broke down some numbers a while back and I figured out the first year of a property I'm looking at right now, even with a high interest rate like 6%, is going to get me like a 24% return on investment and a bunch of cash flow that I can go use to make bad decisions with. But people ask, and rightfully so, like, what? We just don't know what this housing market looks like. It's really risky. And I've been doing this for long enough now that I have a good buffer, a good spread of properties, and also a good buffer in the amount of debt I have taken out. And what I mean by that is that I'm not over leveraged on any one particular property. And my overall leverage is actually fairly low considering the value of my homes. So as time has gone on and my homes have appreciated in value, I'm actually under 50% leveraged on the properties I currently have. And the home that I'm about to buy, I'm going to do a good job of making sure that that, that safety doesn't really get hurt. And what that means is the market would have to fall over 50% for me to even start feeling any kind of pain. And I have strategies to protect myself even on top of that if the economy really did get that bad. And I want to share those with you today so that you have an idea about how to conservatively leverage. Now, all of this takes risk. It's my personal belief that just taking cash and holding on to it is a fairly high risk. And putting your money in any kind of investment that's going to return about the same as inflation is basically just sitting on your hands. And when you could spread your money out enough to create some kind of gain and diversify, make sure that you're safe and you're following all the strategies, over time you're going to see solid growth. Right now I understand that it's a bit scary, the economy is crazy, people are a little unsure about what's going on, depending on what side of the political spectrum you're on, you might be a little bit scared about just what your the opposing political party is doing and a lot of strife has kind of created this uncertainty in the markets. But one thing we know for sure is that eventually things come back and if we can get in when things are low and on sale, when other people are fearful, then we can make big wealth in the long term and that's the strategy we're doing here at The Wealthy Idiots. So what I want to try and explain to you is safe leveraging, or at least as safe as you could possibly get it. And I have a few strategies to get you there. Before we get into the strategies, why are we leveraging in the first place? I've explained before on this channel that the average home increases in value about 4% per year in the United States. Some places are higher, some places are lower, hence the average of 4%. But if you were to put all your money into a house and it appreciated at 4% a year, you would be making 4% return on your money. However, let's say you put in 25% of that home's value and it's still appreciated at 4% every year. Let's say we had a $500,000 home and we were to leverage it at 75%, meaning that we have a 75% debt and 25% of our own money being put into it. 
That means we would put in $125,000. Now, if that home increased in value 4%, that means the house increased in value $20,000. That just happens to be 16% of your money. So by leveraging, we figured out a way to borrow money, use a little bit of our own money, and increase the ROI on the appreciation part by not by taking 100% of the appreciation by only putting in 25% of our money. So that's the real sort of power of leveraging, is being able to take a part of a huge amount of appreciation while only putting in a very small amount of your money. As most of you know, that can be quite risky. So there are a few things that we can do to make sure that we're safe. So these are the things that I do to ensure that my investments are safe and we're on a secure path while still taking advantage of leveraging. The first thing that you should do is create a buffer for your property. So a commenter and a friend of mine both asked, what happens if your property sits vacant for a while? What do you do with it? Well, you should put that into your calculations. When I did my Airbnb calculations a while back, I didn't really consider vacancies because I had already figured out what the monthly average income is for my other properties. And I was just kind of using that to determine what a good property would be to purchase for my next Airbnb. But the very first property that I looked at, I had to figure out how much my income was by kind of guessing. And what I did was I looked at the occupancy rate of other properties similar to the one that I wanted. And then I started looking at what their rates were per night. And I started doing as many calculations as I could to kind of average out what I thought I could make per month. And I came pretty close. I think it was just a teensy bit under that, but I had enough buffer to ensure that I was okay. For long-term rentals, it's a good idea to consider about six to 10% of the time to be unoccupied and calculate that into the numbers. Make sure that you're cash flowing, even considering when things are unoccupied. The second thing that you should do is get yourself an emergency fund for each property. So it doesn't have to be a separate checking account for each property, but there's actually two aspects to this. You're gonna take a deposit from that renter and depending on how you're doing it, whether you're doing it through a managing company or yourself, that's going to stay in a bank account and gain interest over time. So then when the renter leaves, you can use that amount of money to ensure that you have enough to fix the property up if they do indeed damage it. That's always not, that's not always gonna cover it. You can do other things like making sure you have good renters Always, if this is your first property, always make sure your renters are good. It's worth keeping your property unoccupied for a little bit to make sure you have the right person in there. But the other thing that you can do is put six months worth of expenses into a bank account and just leave it there. Put it in a high yield savings account, which right now is returning a pretty decent amount of money. And then that's going to be the amount, the funds that you use to buffer those unoccupancy rates. And then how you take money out of that is at the first of each month, you're going to gain rents. You're going to pay your mortgages. After that's over, your account is going to sit balanced. So if you've calculated up that six months worth of expenses is about $12,000 and you currently have $16,000 in that account, well, you could take out $4,000 and do what you want with it. I would recommend investing it into something else. But that's how you would maintain and ensure that you could cover unoccupied times, ensure your property is still good to go and ready to rent out to the next qualified candidate. The next thing that you can do, number three, is ensure that you're not carrying any consumer debts that you don't need to be carrying. There's no reason to be carrying any debts at all other than the property that you have or the other properties that you have. The more debt that you can that is unleveraged debt, the riskier you're acting. There should be no reason to carry like credit card debt or anything else. If it turns out that that's not something you're capable of, I would recommend 
getting out of this process and ensuring that you can stay out of debt and be smart about that first before getting into any kind of leveraging situation because you're putting yourself at a very high risk having more debt the way that banks look at this information is in terms of debt to income ratio. So if you need to do something else, like buy your own home, take out debt to buy a car, whatever the case may be, you're going to be running risk the more debt you have while you're also leveraging. Um, and last but not least, and my most important, uh, my, my favorite strategy here to make sure that we're being safe while leveraging is to invest into something that's a little more stable and secure, the difference in cash. Now this is a little bit tricky. It's gonna require a little bit of math. So we're gonna do some, we're gonna show exactly what it is that I'm talking about. Let's say like an example one, we have a $500,000. We have $500,000 that we're sitting on. We're gonna figure out what to do with this $500,000. Now the least risky thing that you can do is probably buy the entire home outright for $500,000, rent it out and produce the income from that. You'll take about 4% inflation. And as long as you're not willing to risk debt, you're not gonna be able to use that money for anything in the near future. So the inflation is helpful, but not for near future. You can get quite a bit of cash flow out of that, but then even then with the amount of money that you put in, the return on investment ratio is gonna be pretty small for the amount of money that you're putting in. So you could gain money, but realistically, it's not gonna be a huge amount. So we wanna take advantage of leverage. We have $500,000 and we're looking at a $500,000 home and we wanna do it safely. Those are all our requirements. So something that we could do is go ahead and put our $125,000 down. That'll give us the opportunity of getting the 16% return on investment with the property uh, appreciating. At some point in the future, we could always refinance, take some of that money out and do more houses if we're feeling like we're under leveraged at some point. And we'd get some cash flow out of that as well. We could take the remainder $375,000 and we could turn around and invest that into something like an index fund. And that will provide us a little bit of buffer. Now this will have a return of about 10% on average per year. And I get it right now, everything's low. Nothing really has a return on investment of 10%. But as the economy starts bouncing back, we'll see gains coming up in the next few years higher than 10% in order to compensate for that difference there, which will be awesome. So let's pretend we get 10% per year. That will grow at a rate of on average of $37,000 per year. So that gives us a 10% return on investment for that money. Now that money could still go up and down. It's not guaranteed that it stays there. So we're gonna get the 16% on our 125, which comes out to be about $20,000 a year. We're gonna get the cash flow from the property, plus we're gonna put our buffer into index funds. And yeah, they go up and down, but they go up and down much slower than other riskier funds. So it gives us the ability to use that in case of emergencies. We're gonna try our best never to touch that. We wanna leave that there and let it compound over time or at least never touch it until retirement, I guess. Like you're gonna touch it someday, but as long as we have this property and this debt, we'll leave that there. And you're gonna notice that that amount of money is equal to what's left over on the loan. And as time goes on, the loan is gonna decrease. You're gonna be under leveraged. That amount of money is gonna increase and your safety is gonna continue to go up and up over time. Meanwhile, on average, we're gonna be getting about $60,000 a year in returns from our $500,000. We could never have done that if we just bought that house outright. And we're going to get the advantage of not only safety, but diversification all while still leveraging and still taking advantage of the fact that we got to leverage. So that was the most important bit there. I hope you can 
see that by taking your money and instead of just sticking it into a house all in a hole or just sticking your investment into something like the index fund, we can take advantage of leverage while still being safe. And you can actually move that index fund a, like the amount around depending on what your risk tolerance is. So if you have a high income and a good stable job, maybe that index fund drops a little bit, you go get yourself two houses instead of one, and you still have some index fund for a case of emergency. And then now you have two houses producing you cash flow. But if you're feeling like, hey, I'm, you know, entering maybe retirement, I don't want to be quite as risky as I was when I was younger. I need something that's more stable and consistent. Well, then move that index fund buffer up, maybe add a little bit more on that down payment, and then that will ensure that you have those buffers in case anything does happen. Now, this isn't financial advice. I'm letting you know that's the information and the data that I have that lets me do this stuff intelligently and safely. Obviously, the more aggressive you get, the more and higher your returns can be. But there's a certain stage in which stuff starts to get a little gambly, and that's the stage Dave Ramsey tries to steer us all away from. So I hope you learned something today. Hopefully that you could take this information and feel a little bit better about looking at the data when trying to make your decisions. And you can make a strong, solid decision that will produce you wealth and make you wealthy for retirement in the future like all the rest of us wealthy idiots out here. So thanks for stopping by and I'll see you guys next time.